On this edition of Geopolitics and Empire, we interview senior political risk analyst Elijah Magnier, who has over 30 years of experience and in-depth knowledge of the Middle East. We'll be looking at the developments in Syria and examine whether the war is really over. And why don't we start with President Trump's announcement of U.S. withdrawal. This is confusing because we know the U.S. has had a long-term plan of regime change in Syria. And just a week or two ago, an article was published describing how U.S. forces would remain indefinitely in Syria. And then we hear President Trump say that U.S. forces are pulling out. His claim that the U.S. has defeated ISIS is kind of silly because in reality, it's been Syria, Russia, and Iran who were largely responsible for defeating a U.S.-sponsored ISIS. But Trump's comment is a face-saving measure before perhaps a naive U.S. populace. So some people remain skeptical as to the U.S. pulling out. What is your assessment? Um, Yes, I I think from what we have seen today and what we have seen in the last couple of weeks, it seems Trump is serious about pulling out uh, his troops from Syria, particularly in the uh, area that his forces are occupying in the uh, northeast of Syria. And um, that is Al-Hasaka province and Derizur, and part of Derizur. The reaction of his uh, defense secretary, the reaction of other diplomats like uh, Brett McGurk, who uh, resigned from the uh, U.S. establishment, uh, was a good indication that Trump wants to go ahead and pull out of Syria. Moreover, the reaction of Turkey that was insisting on disarming the uh, YPG Kurds uh, that are the PKK version, uh, the Syrian PKK version, uh, the, that also confirmed uh, uh, one thing, that Syria, that the U.S. can no longer protect the Kurds and can no longer stay in that part of the country. And today we saw the uh, Syrian forces uh, deploying two small divisions in Manbij and particularly in an area around uh, Arima, that's a, a, a village uh, west of Manbij, that the Syrian and the Russian used to maintain an observation uh, location in the area uh, for over a year, and they pull out from that uh, from these twenty location in the area, like Arima, Arab Hassan Kabir, Zunkul, Al Farat, uh, Dandania, and all the uh, these villages. Um, they pull out and they have, they pull out when Turkey attacked Afrin and they uh, returned only three days ago. But because they have reached an agreement with the Kurds yesterday evening, uh, late, uh, around midnight, so they have decided to send two small divisions in the city of uh, Manbij and the Kurds, uh, YPG, announced their withdrawal from the city. Although the Americans are still there, but the Americans can do nothing without the Kurds because they have used the Kurds as a, a human shield to protect them. And the presence of uh, 2,000 or 2,000 uh, or more, a little bit more than 2,000 um, troops, uh, American troops, are not enough to protect uh, the um, Americans in an area that is more or less. 50,000 square meters. 
that is a, um, uh, more or less a third of Syria, which is it's, uh, exactly between 23 to 24% of the uh, geographic um, uh, Syria. Therefore, they need the Kurds. And if the Kurds pulled out of Manbij, there are no other uh, forces that, that can protect the Americans. So yes, my answer is Trump seems serious. Now the uh, Syrian army moved in. They put the Russian and the Syrian flag on all the positions they are regaining control of to give a strong indication to the Americans and to Turkey that now Russia is involved and no other force will uh, uh, regain the control of the Syrian territory but the Syrian army. And we're seeing other promising signs which you have written about that Arab investment will pour back into Syria and that Assad will be diplomatically and politically perhaps reinstated and welcomed back uh, begrudgingly with his neighbors and the, uh, including the Arab League. You write that the Sudanese president recently visited Assad and that lays the groundwork for more Arab leaders to pay tribute to Assad in 2019. We see that countries like Italy and the UAE are, I think, reopening embassies in Syria. Does this mean then that Operation Timber Sycamore and the regime change plan has been called off and that the war is finally over? Indeed, yes. The regime change plan is history now, is behind us. The um, integrity of Syria, regardless who is sitting on top of the country, um, is preserved, preserved today. And there is no more failed state or a jihadi state uh, or a chaos in control of uh, the Levant. Uh, yes, the Arabs are returning. Sudan is a very close ally to Saudi Arabia and to the Emirates. Sudanese forces are fighting alongside with the Emirates and uh, the Saudis in Yemen. And um, President al-Bashir would never dare to take a unilateral decision to reopen um, widely the relationship between, to open the road to the uh, Arabs to return by his first visit to Syria after seven years of war. Therefore, it is with the agreement of the Arabs and with um, the consent of the Americans, because they also were informed about the visit of Omar al-Bashir and they didn't object. And um, we saw the Emirates, they opened their embassy at the chargé d'affaires level yesterday. We see the Bahrain is going to uh, uh, start functioning um, at a full state embassy in uh, Damascus. Um, uh, we, there is an information that I have about the meeting between Mohammed bin Salman and uh, the head of the, um, uh, the advisor on the security issue to the President Assad, uh, General Ali Mamluk, who uh, met with uh, Mohammed bin Salman a few years back and uh, bin Salman said his intention is not to destabilize the country and that his support to Syria is limited to what the Americans are asking him to do. Therefore, he just um, fulfilling the commitment uh, of the Americans uh, to a point where uh, he expressed on the ground in Syria his uh, lack of intention to continue supporting jihadists when he gave up 
on Al Ghuta uh, around Damascus and Jaish al Islam that Saudi Arabia was financing. And today we see several thousand of Jaish al Islam are working under Turkey and no longer under the uh, flag of Saudi Arabia because they no longer receive the support of Saudi Arabia. Yes, uh, there is a meeting of the Arab League uh, that's going to happen uh, at the beginning of next year, and the Arab League will open its arms to the return of Syria back to the um, uh, Arab, let's say, family, because the um, uh, Gulf countries would like to regain some of their losses in Syria by seeing if by um, regaining a real normalizing the relationship with Syria, they can uh, push Syria a little bit, a bit far from Iran. That's an objective that I don't think they will uh, reach. But at the other hand, Syria will be extremely happy to start a good relationship with the Arab states because Syria, Iran, and Russia, and China cannot rebuild the country, particularly when the need to reconstruct Syria is between 350 and $400 billion. So it, there is a need for not only Syrian hands to reconstruct the country, and not only China, Russia, Iran, and those around Syria that did not declare a failed state uh, objective on Syria or did not declare war on Syria, there is a need for other uh, countries, uh, rich countries, to come and uh, invest in, in Syria. And Assad will welcome even Saudi Arabia. Now, um, uh, the uh, war is almost uh, over, but we still have, uh, the, as a first objective, will be for the uh, Syrian army to eliminate ISIS along the Euphrates, where the uh, uh, U.S. forces were offering protection to these um, militants. And secondly, to regain control of al-Hasaka uh, and then to turn towards Idlib. I'd like to get your thought on Russia's role in the Syrian conflict. This is a very, um, I guess, a divisive topic, especially in the West. And what we try to do here on Geopolitics and Empire is uh, look at things without our own emotions or preconceived notions or biases or ideologies getting in the way, which is why we interview people from left, right, and in between. And I recently posted a political cartoon on social media, which perhaps you may have seen a Syrian woman telling her young son not to worry that she will be okay. Meanwhile, multiple knives and daggers are depicted sticking out from the backside of the woman, and Country names are listed, such as Qatar, Saudi Arabia, USA, France, Germany, Israel, and Turkey. And a friend of mine raised the question as to whether a Russian dagger should also be depicted, implying that Russia is responsible in some way for the Syrian conflict or taking advantage uh, of the conflict. But based on history and the actions taken by Russia in accordance with international law, I personally see no wrongdoing by Russia in this Syrian conflict, uh, what is your assessment? Well, Russia was on the side when the war uh, imposed on Syria started in 2011. And Russia was not yet ready to re-enter the international arena, and particularly the Middle East complications, because Russia was building up its strengths 
ready to face other challenges in the future that we see today, it is facing these challenges. And um, we saw Russia did not interfere in what happened in Libya and allow the Americans and Europe to um, do whatever they want in Libya. And the result is a failed state and a disastrous situation. But Russia was not in a position to interfere. In 2011, Russia again was not in a position to interfere in Syria. Uh, on the other hand, Russia learned from the mistakes in, uh, uh, made in Libya and was limiting itself, which is not little, to support Syria uh, at the UN and prevent the Americans uh, from attacking or from taking the uh, legal um, right uh, from the UN to attack Syria uh, with all its uh, military force. Uh, but in 2015, when the uh, uh, allies of Syria, uh, that is Iran, Hezbollah, uh, realized the size of support the Americans, the Europeans, Turkey, and the Arabs were offering to the jihadis, they have decided to regain control, to gain control of the cities and to pull out from all the rural areas because they couldn't control all that. And because the support was overwhelming and the number of the Syrians on the other side was much higher than the number of the allies. And Iran didn't want to send its army because then Saudi Arabia would send its army and then uh, American would send the army and everybody would start fighting on this uh, territory and then it would be total chaos. But Russia understood that the uh, jihadists and the rebels will not allow uh, Russia to keep its military base in uh, on the on the Mediterranean coast in Tartus and Latakia. So what Russia did in September 2000, September 2015, that it had decided to interfere in the conflict lightly by trying to stop the war without giving the upper hand to any side. So Russia aimed to keep to keep a status quo and to start a negotiation uh, without any real uh, visibility and objective, but to stop the war first. And what happened is that Turkey dragged Russia into a higher uh, contribution by downing its jet uh, at the end of 2015. And this is where Russia's involvement started to become even more effective. And what Russia did, yes, of course, Russia didn't interfere just to support Assad. The support of Syria uh, dates back to the president, the late president, Hafez Assad, the father of Bashar. And we're talking about the beginning of the 70s when uh, Russia and Syria established um, um, uh, a defense agreement between the two countries and the supply of weapons, the Syrian supply of weapons used to come from Russia. Therefore, Russia wanted to maintain the window on the Mediterranean and look at its budget where it can train its pilot in a life war conditions and scenario. And the same budget used at the Russian Defense Ministry was used at Hamimin uh, military base where the Russian can uh, obtain a, a very unique experience in warfare by actually using their skills and their training on live targets. 
And this is what was, was uh, Russia approach to keep a balance and to make sure that there will not be a failed state in Syria. And that was a positive approach. Nevertheless, on the other hand, Russia made it clear to Iran and Israel that it will not interfere in the conflict between them. And that was a mistake, because if you have troops on the ground, you can't isolate yourself and thinking that you will suffer no casualties if you keep watching. Indeed, they have suffered, the Russians have suffered several casualties from watching from afar. And uh, we recently saw the IL-20 with 15 officers on, ground, on, on board uh, that was downed by a mistake during the exchange between the Israeli and the Syrian air defense. And there are many other examples before that. Um, uh, the uh, a Russian jet was downed by Turkey. Uh, another Russian helicopters were downed during the conflict. So Russia tried its best to uh, reach a deal with the Americans, particularly with John Kerry in mid-2016. And thanks to the Americans unwilling to respect their uh, deal, that Russia took the war further and tried to consolidate the position of the Syrian army and give the upper hand to the Syrian government. Because the uh, Americans decided to go on with this war, didn't believe in the Russian capability to make any changes on the ground, and they were uh, wrong because Russia did make any changes, did make many changes, and managed to defeat the jihadists uh, got rid of uh, the control of ISIS of large territory in Syria, west of the Euphrates River, river in Palmyra, and the steppes, in uh, other places uh, uh, under the control of Al-Qaeda and other jihadists, in Al-Ghouta, around uh, Homs, around Hama, in Aleppo, all that was thanks to the Russian intervention. So Russia was in uh, uh, favor of seeing uh, a state uh, with a government that is stable and not a failed state, regardless who is sitting on top, so regardless if Assad remains in power or not. And the Russians said clearly, uh, this is not our problem. It's up to the Syrian to decide uh, who is their future leader. So Qatar, yes, has invested 150 billion, according to what the ex-prime minister said, Saudi Arabia has invested uh, tens or hundreds of millions, uh, billions, sorry, to um, and send all the jihadists they have into uh, Syria to change the regime. Uh, Turkey has invested by allowing the passage of all the jihadists into uh, Syria and bought oil from uh, ISIS, supply, uh, gave all the supply and the logistics needed to ISIS, supported Al-Qaeda uh, by allowing Al-Qaeda to attack um, many areas around Latakia uh, in the north of uh, Syria and take Idlib. It was thanks to Turkey that Al-Qaeda managed to take Idlib at that time. And now Idlib is uh, the uh, safe haven of Al-Qaeda, of other jihadists, and of the uh, rebels who pulled out from all over Syria. And what Russia did, 
it was very clever because uh, they created Astana. They have isolated all the uh, problems on the entire geography and start dealing with one city at a time, with one pocket at a time. And this is how they have managed to regain the territory from the air and Iran and Syrian army and Hezbollah on the ground because the Russian can't do that on their own. And um, uh, militants and jihadis don't surrender to a jet, but they surrender to troops on the ground. So the combination with having the allies on the ground and the Russian in the sky made a very strong uh, army, let's say, in harmony to reconquer the land and to give it back to the control of the Syrian army. The Russian um, role in Syria was extremely positive, generally speaking. But there are a few mistakes, but these are insignificant. And briefly about Israel, we know uh, there are documents, I guess, from the 80s, such as the Yanon plan, where Israel uh, has some expansionist uh, ideas. And on Christmas Day, I believe there was an Israeli attack on Damascus. Do you think Israel will, if the U.S., as the U.S. withdraws, will Israel continue to remain very active in Syria? Well, it is thanks to the Israeli violation, continuous violation of Syria sovereignty um, that Russia provided Syria with anti-air defense missiles that never existed before in Syria. And the continuous violation of Israel to um, Syrian sovereignty and bombing targets in Syria uh, was due uh, to uh, the um, intention of Russia, the Syrian army, and Iran not to be involved in a wider conflict that the Israelis would love to see, particularly if there is such a conflict, the U.S. will be part of it on the side of the Israelis. So the war was to defeat the Takfiri and the jihadists first, allow Israel to play and to be the naughty boy, let's say, to bomb objectives in Syria, to bomb warehouses that can be replaced later, but to concentrate on one objective, eliminate jihadists and make sure the U.S. will not interfere uh, by larger forces uh, with Israel because another conflict is starting. So they have avoided this. And because they have avoided this, Israel took advantage of this situation playing on the psychology, on the circumstances, on the priorities, and on the lack of response of Russia and the Syrian army to all its uh, bombing uh, of the Syrian objectives in, uh, in the Levant. But this situation can no longer uh, remain um, valid. When the Americans will pull out, I think Israel will have a very hard time if they think if the Israeli uh, military think they can still abuse of the Syrian patient and the Russian patient in the Levant. You know, I still feel that it is almost too good to be true that the foreign aggressors will accept that their plan for Syria has failed. I feel that somehow in the future they might revisit their project in some way. Um, you say Trump's withdrawal in your latest article lays a trap for Russia, Iran, and Turkey, that the situation perhaps again can complicate 
which can lead to the U.S. later on saying that they need to go back in. Do you still see that as a possibility? You know, will Turkey hold out or, or and continue with their own geopolitical goals, or will they also throw in the towel on Syria? W what do you think will happen from here on out? Turkey, Iran, and Russia uh, have established a very strong commercial strategic bond uh, that is translated today by the uh, decision of Turkey not to push forces and to wait to give Russia the time to reorganize itself and to think of a strategy to um, give the upper hand to the Syrian government. So Turkey did not enter into Membage for many reasons. First, because it doesn't want to confront the Russian forces. Second, because uh, Iran, Russia, and the Syrian army can arm the Kurds and support them to uh, fight against Turkey that will be involved in fighting in around 43,000 square kilometers. And the Turks and the, uh, Iran the Syrian proxies are not capable of retaking such a big area, and I mean, more or less the third of Syria. So, and Turkey has a gas, uh, energy, commercial relationship with Russia and Iran today that are established. Moreover, Turkey knows that its presence in Idlib is protected due to the Astana Agreement. If they walk in the Al-Hasaka province, they will not be protected because there is no previous agreement. So, yes, it is in the advantage of Turkey not to see its forces involved in the Guacamaya of uh, Al-Hasaka and uh, Derizur and start fighting against the Arab tribe and the Kurds, YPG, uh, in the north of Syria. Now, the U.S. are pulling back from that area and they're going to uh, be based in Iraq. Now, the U.S. is planning, but also the Iraqis are planning. And the question is, how long the U.S. can stay in Iraq? That's another question. If they use Iraq to, as a platform to start attacking Syria, then I think the Americans will be attacked also in Iraq. Now, this is a possibility, a very strong possibility. Therefore, we can't say that the Americans are planning and the rest of the Middle East is just watching them. And Iran and Russia and Iraq will, will uh, sit uh, idle and do nothing about it. On the contrary, each side is planning to think how they can get rid of the other or limit its uh, presence or its uh, power in the Middle East. Yes, it is, it is not too good to be true because we have seen seven years of destruction and war that covers Syria, covers Iraq, and neighboring countries. So that is not an easy situation to deal with. And after seven years today, we have a complicated situation where the Americans wanted to deliver, to pull out as an organized exit. It means they wanted to deliver Turkey each area they pull out from, but Turkey didn't walk along with the Americans, and the Russians play an essential role in promising first that the YPG will no longer be armed, and this is what Turkey wants, and this is what Syria wants. The Damascus refused the request of the Kurds to keep their weapons. Second, the administration 
of the uh, al-Hasaka, that is a Kurdish Arab area, it's not only Kurdish, will be given to the Syrian government and not the Kurdish administration, that will go away. And what the Americans have created as SDF will, fan- uh, will vanish. So anything that the Americans have created in the north of the country, they will be thankful for the uh, military airport they have uh, created and they will leave to the Syrian army and nothing else. All their proxies will leave them because they have abandoned and betrayed their proxies, the Kurds, um, uh, without giving them any notice that they were leaving and they use them as a human shield. So the Kurds now have nothing to link them to the Americans. Therefore, yes, it is a a normal and a logical situation to see the Kurds giving up on the Americans as the Americans gave up on the Kurds first, that Turkey needs to look after its long-term relationship with Syria and with Russia and with Iran and is not with the Americans because the Americans don't have friends. They have only interest relationship. And when the interest and the benefit stops, then the relationship with the Americans stops. That is not the case with Russia and Iran. So it is more in the advantage of Turkey to keep Iran and Russia uh, on the good side without necessarily losing uh, the U.S. because Turkey is still a NATO member. I have one final question before I ask for your final thought. Uh, I ask this to most of my guests. Could you give us your thought on how you view this idea of the American empire and is this failure in Syria a sign that it is receding, uh, declining, and do you think Trump will manage a soft landing or is there a potential, uh, as we've seen in history, for another sort of world war? Um, I think the um, US hegemony of the world is over, unilateral hegemony of the world. Therefore, today Russia regained its place that used to have before the perestroika 1990. Therefore, I think today the US is still a superpower, is still extremely strong with a very good army, capable of winning any war, but not to control any country they win. And we saw that in Iraq, we saw that in Syria. They can't win the after war. They can win the war only. They can't win the heart of mind of the population. Iraq turned against them, Afghanistan turned against them. Today, 52 provinces in Afghanistan are in the hand of Taliban. So therefore, the U.S. empire, unilateral empire, the only force, only hegemony of the world is over. Russia is moving in as a superpower country. China is moving in as a a commercial superpower. And the... the, um, uh, the the Americans ha- are losing a lot of friends on the way, not only in the Middle East, but mainly in Europe. They behave on their own without consulting. They're supposed to be partners in Europe. They have done this against uh, the uh, nuclear deal that they have signed and they refuse to honor while the Europeans are still holding it. They are losing in Iraq and uh, Uh, The government in Iraq is far from being pro-American. They have lost in Afghanistan. They've lost their faith state in Syria. They've lost to impose on the Lebanese government 
to attack Hezbollah and to turn against it. So all their plan, the only power they have is on GCC weak uh, countries who are ruled by families and who need the U.S. to keep them in power. And this is only where they can exert their will upon the leaders of the uh, Arab countries. But that is enough to keep military bases. It is enough to keep its presence where it can use military power, but is not enough at all to dominate the population. And any final thought or comment from you? And how can people best uh, follow your work and, and support you? Well, um, thank you for this question. Well, uh, the uh, my articles speak for themselves. So um, I am on Twitter. I have my blog. I have my articles published in, uh, at the newspaper. And um, I give uh, interview to people like you, but not to BBC and other big institutions because they proved to be unreliable and uh, they forgot about how journalism is. Well, thank you, Elijah, for your very concise, clear, and excellent analysis on the Middle East. I've, I'm ashamed to admit that I've only recently discovered your work, uh, and I urge listeners to follow Elijah's website, uh, his Twitter, which we'll link uh, in, the, in the descriptions below, and to leave him a donation so that he, he can continue providing cutting-edge analysis. And, and thank you for the interview. Thank you.